You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Friday. We're back and doing it. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. And we have a Friday mailbag. It was called for on Thursday for a Friday. It was done relatively late while I was at a concert and y'all were watching a Michigan basketball game. What concert? Well, it's, if you're watching, it's on my shirt. It's North Lane, my very favorite band in the world. Um, so uh, not many questions. I'm kind of good with that because we already had uh, a pretty decent sized mailbag from last week that we ran this week. Uh, and uh, we're kind of in a little bit of a lull and we don't like to talk a lot of basketball. Um, I don't think I have missed this many basketball games in 15 years when it comes to Michigan basketball, maybe more, maybe since like, I mean, it's probably since Tommy Amaker was the coach. It just seems like every, it's a confluence of a lot of different things, you know? So I'm glad we're not talking about it. Uh, I've had some of you complain mightily when I do talk basketball. So uh, we'll try to get Trent on next week to talk about it or so, something or other, probably more the week after. I don't know. We'll figure that out. But let's jump into the mailbag. Let's jump into it with our leaders and best, starting with James Crudup at James Crudup 6. What is the best news you would want to hear coming out of spring practice? What news would worry you the most? The wor- news that would worry me the most would be like a major injury to a major player. And it goes hierarchy, probably quarterback, running back, wide receiver, you know, you know any, any place that there isn't like a ton of depth, you know, in particular too. I mean, you don't want to lose a major player and you also don't want to lose someone at a place where there's maybe not as much depth tight end compared to like offensive line. If they have a major injury at offensive line, you're like, all right, they've got some dudes that can probably step up and in. Um, so that would be the worst possible scenario. Best possible scenario is a, the health of all of said above emerging from spring healthy is key. Number one, but the most encouraging thing outside of that, if you hear the squeaky, it's because Zuri has decided that she's, she's going for it. Um, the most encouraging thing outside of that would be, uh, JJ McCarthy takes a massive step forward, which I believe is certainly possible. Like, it's just, it. you get start hearing, like, he is just, nothing is hitting the ground. I mean, granted, we heard that about, uh, we heard that about Cade McNamara last year. But last year, at the same time, we were hearing, like, you know, about J.J. in fall camp. He's, he makes the great play, and he makes the confounding play. Want to hear every play is great. He seems like he's taken a step forward in, term, in terms of reading the defense. He knows when to, you know, evade pressure. He knows how to check into the right play. He knows how to do all that stuff. That's the most encouraging thing. Quarterback being above all. Josh Barajadiki. So since beating Indiana on the road isn't likely, the Big Ten's up and down. I wouldn't say isn't likely. Anything can happen. How many wins does it take to in the conference tournament to get into the field? I think two. I think regardless, two. Uh, I know that Jerry Palm had an updated bracketology this morning. And Michigan, I believe, was one of the last four in, if I read that right. So they, they might be in the field as long as they kind of split their remaining games, whatever that is, right? Uh, 
beat Indiana. Well, not split, but I think you just need two wins. Two more wins. I think you got it. My brother in metal, Michael Wolf at Wolf 21 do you think that Cabana is getting extra reps with Corum being out right now? What's your take on the Gaddis to Maryland scenario? Um, I, I would hope so. You know, I would hope everyone gets a little bit more reps. But with Cabana, I mean, it's hard to predict what a freshman is going to do, right? Unless it's a five-star, and he is a four-star, but... Uh, ultimately, he's not the one I have my eyes on. It really is C.J. Stokes. You hope C.J. Stokes takes that step forward and or Kalel Mullings if they are continuing to keep him at running back. Get that ball security going, man. Just get it going. I thought he was good outside of that, right? Um, as far as the Josh Gaddis to Maryland, that is, uh, I believe, done. I wrote about it. Football Scoop said it was happening. Um, but... Uh, I mean, it makes sense because he and Loxley know how to be on the same page together, but they have their war of words, you know? They had their whole, uh, you know, who's actually calling the plays and who's actually designing the offense, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. But now it's just kind of back to what it was at Alabama where you got Loxley as the main guy and Gaddis behind him. But I think that, you know, Gaddis going to Maryland, that that's definitely proof positive of careful burning bridges and stuff like that because anyone could have predicted and certainly we predicted on this show like we weren't and and I, I you know Josh was my guy for a while we weren't here on this show saying uh yeah Josh Gaddis is gonna leave go to Miami and Miami is just gonna take off and that's not like a knock on Josh it was gonna be a uphill battle no matter who took that position but Certainly, the thing that we really, really were kind of cautioning about was why leave a good thing just because things maybe aren't going your way at this moment. Like, you have a good thing and you're going in the unknown, you're taking a lateral move in a way a step down because Miami's a great unknown. You can sit there and say Mario Cristobal is going to get this thing moving in the right direction, and it's just, it's not a sure thing. Michigan was much closer to a sure thing. You won a Bros Award. Going to Maryland, at least that it's supposed to be a creative offense. Maybe he can finally really unleash speed and space the way he had hoped to. Maybe it'll look a little bit more like Alabama. Um, and certainly he's going to know a little bit about what Michigan's trying to do defensively. But Minter is not Mike McDonald. I think this is the first time Zuri's ever decided to play with a toy during a show. I, I'm pretty sure. I think she is demanding attention, and that's why she's... Usually she gets her toys when she's frustrated. <laughs> anyway. Um... I, you know, I, I think it certainly could work. Their defense was better than their offense, weirdly, last year. Maryland was. Maryland, I think that's a scary game. Game right before Ohio State, and I think they, they could win that game. I'm I'm not predicting it, but they could. And and you have a good quarterback, all that stuff. But I don't necessarily think he is a be-all, end-all offensive coordinator, but he's going to be out for revenge, for sure. Jimmy Whitner at Jimmy Whitner 1. In your opinion, who's the field goal kicker this season? I'm going to go with Tommy Doman. I think it's, I mean, he... Yeah, I don't think you're going to throw a freshman to the fire unless Doman's inconsistent. I mean, you did see Jake Moody get thrown to the fire kind of later in the season when Nordine was inconsistent, but I, I think that it's going to be Tommy Doman. Number two, what Michigan sporting event have you enjoyed the most while working and as a fan? Um, As a fan, it probably the 2013 under the lights game against Notre Dame. That felt like being at the Super Bowl. That felt like... It's like it's bigger than what, you know, like in I was just thinking like some of the the memories I have are false memories because it was like 
it wasn't quite even as big as it felt, but I mean, it was like the college football world is watching the hype for it. You know, obviously I spent months waiting, you know, and I was like, we had a big tailgate. I mean, it wasn't like big as in big, but like, you know, I, I went out and got a satellite and hooked that up and, you know, it was like a whole ordeal. Um, while working, probably this last year's Ohio State game, because I got to be on the field. The first one was fun and it was good. I was up in the box. It was still kind of cold in the box, but I don't like being in the press box. I'm not used to it. Um, but this last year, being on the field, being in Columbus, especially just kind of considering, especially kind of considering how uh, uh, even their writers are just very like, yeah, well, Michigan's not going to win again. And like, you know, I called out my boy, Phil Harrison from Buckeyes Wire on the show. Like, you know, he he, he has Michigan losing to Ohio State this year. And it's just like, that's that that's how they think. You know, there's no way... It's like Michigan does it twice in a row. It's like, all right, they did it two times. They'll never do it three. Say that J.J. McCarthy comes back. Let's say they Ohio State's quarterbacks is in disarray, and yet, you know, like say the running game was mostly good except for maybe against Michigan, and they lose Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams. They lose uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Like they, they lose all kinds of things, and it's a great unknown. The Ohio State people would still be like, you know, Michigan can have the most returning production in college football. Ohio State could have the least. And they could be be like, yeah, we're going to start this three-star quarterback or a transfer quarterback that wasn't good. The Ohio State writers would still be like, they're going to beat Michigan. It's just obvious. So I take a little extra special pride seeing their faces, seeing the fans' faces, all of the taunting that happens the week of the game. It's that it, I, I become a fan. I've said that before. Finishing us out in segment one, Jonathan Joseph at Joseph 2156 who it is your three deep at quarterback and running back. Uh, pretty, That's pretty straightforward. It's uh, J.J. McCarthy, Davis Warren, Jack Tuttle in that order. Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, and C.J. Stokes in that order. All right, we're going to continue on here momentarily, uh, and uh, we've got plenty more questions left. But the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you continue your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat-first bet to the $1,000 in the bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Snowstorm going on outside. Zuri sitting 
if you're watching and you're wondering what the heck I'm doing with my arms, Zuri is underneath me right now. Um, begging for attention. All of you watching, listening can hear her begging for attention. Uh, that's where she's at. <laughs> she wants to be a part of the show. Congratulations, Jimmy. She's part of the show. Jim at Jim in the North. Now that football season, oh, starting our uh, Victor's Valiant, by the way. Jim at Jim in the North. Now that the football season is over, doing anything exciting in the off season, any cool summer trips? Definitely not going anywhere. Oh, Sarah and I, Sarah and I have some flights banked, at, but I don't know that we're going to use them in the summer. I think we'll probably reserve those for next year and go to Florida. I wanted to go to Florida this year. That's probably not going to happen in large part because the house thing. Major announcement, life announcement. The house thing is going to happen. I'm under contract, uh, so I will be spending time. It doesn't need like any like actual major renovations. It's been renovated, uh, so but it does need a, a bunch of things that you know that I need to get done, whether I can get them or not. Uh, done over the summer. Uh, so when I first move in, and hopefully about three, four weeks, I'm not really sure. We don't. They didn't say when the closing date's going to be yet. Uh, but when I move in, then uh, we'll have a temporary space either in this loft area or, or uh, in the second bedroom until we build a studio space because there's like an office space that's down to the studs attached to the garage like a six seven hundred square foot uh extra room that we're going to build into the ultimate studio hopefully it will be like tv and see, you know like seats like feel like a late night show in some way or, you know like it'll hopefully be a whole thing but it, it that will probably be a whole summer project and then i want to build like a patio and um and they have to go furniture shopping because it seems like a lot of the furniture i have is like patio furniture and uh, bedroom furniture, some which broke, stuff like that. So it's going to be a lot of like getting stuff in order, building a fence so Zuri can run around in the back so that when we're doing a show, I can just put her out there and she can just do her thing. All that kind of stuff. That's going to be the summer plan. Homebody doing stuff. So super excited. Doesn't seem real yet. Uh, all praise be to God uh, because there's no feasible way that this should have happened, but it's awesome. Uh, James Kovalevsky at coach underscore Kovo. I've heard many head coaches say that most important coaching hire is actually their strength and conditioning coach. What's been your impression of Ben Herbert? I mean, Jim Harbaugh would easily say the same. And I would say Ben Herbert has to be at worst a top five strength and conditioning coach. No offense to Kevin Tolbert, who led the program the first uh, couple years of the Jim Harbaugh era, the first three years. It took a minute for the Ben Herbert of it all to really catch on, but I mean that's a big component of what why you're starting to hear recruits say like Ernest Hausman as a transfer. He said on the in the trenches podcast that I, I you know I went and visited and I met Ben Herbert and was like I want to I want to I want to train with him. That's a big reason why he decided. Actually, I would say probably it seems like it's the biggest reason because even though he mentioned Chris Partridge. He was already here before Partridge got here. So I would say that uh, Ben Herbert, he's played a role in recruiting. He's played a role in um, in actually making the team what it is. Just It, it seems like no matter what Michigan needs, guys got to bulk up, it happens. Guys got to slim down, it happens. It's incredible. And as scary as he can be to look at, he's not, a super nice guy. Met him for the first time uh, this past year. 
incredibly nice guy. It's like alarming because he is he, he stares through you even more than Jim Harbaugh does. Uh, Spencer Whitmore at Spencer Whitmore was the 2022 team your favorite to cover. If not, which team was the most fun as a writer? Mm, it's kind of a tie between the last two. I, I would say probably more 2021 because the, the initial climb is always kind of more fun and the excitement. Um, this past year, there were more expectations and plus the non-conference made it a little bit less fun. And as a writer, like when they lost to Michigan State, I had... Once that clock hits zero, I have zero reaction. So it it's, I you know, I was on the phone with people consoling them on the way back home, and I'm like, listen, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Everything's right there. MSU's going to lose to Purdue next week. It's all going to be on the table. Um, 2016, though, probably is my favorite season that I covered overall. Because even though they went 10-3, that team, I mean, it felt, you know, it was Harbaugh's second year. The expectations were through the roof. The excitement was through the roof. You opened up the season with Michael Jordan, Michigan wearing the Nike jerseys. Everyone thought Michigan was going to be, uh, at least in Ann Arbor, like it, that was the shot, right? Like that was the opportunity. And it felt like they were just steamrolling everybody. Everyone was bored by halftime. They had so many personalities on the team, way more than any other. So 2016 very easily was my favorite, basically until it wasn't, really. Basically until the Ohio State game went as it was, the bowl game was a letdown, there was no excitement to even go down there, you know, even though that was my first time covering a bowl game. So, yeah, I'd say 2016 was easily my my favorite season to cover because it just, it, until really the Iowa game, and even then, even with the Iowa game, it still felt like, well, you know, they went out, everything's fine. But, I mean, that team was a blast to cover. Every single press conference was like, you were getting gold from all those guys. Uh, Ike Hamlin at Hamstand 87. What big changes will having one OC have on the play calling? Just probably more consistency, you know? I think there, there is a, a pro and a con. But, I mean, you're still, he's still going to get this, right? Like, But it's maybe a little less bouncing ideas. But sometimes maybe it's like if you get into a rhythm as a play caller, maybe you feel it. But however, if you get in a rut, maybe it's harder to break out. Still, I mean, it's not like he's going to be on his own. Jim Harbaugh still exists. Kirk uh, Campbell will still be out there to be able to say, hey, Mike Hart will still be out there to say, hey, you know what I mean? So, but I think, you know, more consistency and that's for better or for worse. Perry Mitchell at Perry Mitchell 08. Mike Morris is testing pretty poorly at the combine relative to other defensive ends, but that's not out of the ordinary for Michigan players. Does the Michigan staff and in turn the players shy away from combine specific training and instead focus on playing and knowing the game? Um, I don't think they shy away from it necessarily, but they're definitely Michigan. Yeah, no, I, I think they do shy away from it now that I kind of think about it. Um, I wouldn't say that Michigan defensive ends tend to, to be poor. You, you know, it's, you, you tend to see some pretty good testing, but, um, and I haven't seen his numbers, to be honest. I've, I've did a little bit of combine stuff today, but not, not a ton. I've been, you know, doing a lot of the stuff that comes with, uh, you know, uh, contract on a house. So it's kind of like fly by night, the DJ Turner, the Mozzie Smith of it all. Those guys obviously both are, you know, had, had amazing days today. Um, but no, I, I do think that Michigan's really good as far as the knowledge part. I think they are pretty good at the, development part 
combine's not always going to jump off the table, it, but I think it doesn't matter as long as Michigan puts more of an onus on its pro day overall. So as long as pro day goes well, that's fine. But I think that's that's it is less combine specific, more pro day. And I'm, I'm sure he'll get right. You know, anything that I think that's the good thing is anything that doesn't go well at, at the combine, you can hopefully improve and be better at the at the pro day. Uh, Anton says, me to Mangala. Asks me to Mangala. Glad I don't miss this uh, two weeks in a row. What Disney movie do you think is the most underrated? For me, it's a goofy movie, hands down. Uh, well, number one, there, there's going to be a couple, a handful of people, even though the, this podcast, uh, every every time we have a mailbag, we have a couple Disney people. And then now there's there's people, this is supposed to be sports. How dare you? Guess what? We can do both. That's That's the good thing. We can do both. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of reporters I know, not just Anthony, not, and I, a lot of reporters I know that are big Disney people. There's a lot, there are people that you know and love. John Jansen, big Disney guy. Hope I'm not outing you, John. You know, but, uh, there's, there's people out there that love Disney. We're not, we're not going to shy away from it. Um, but, uh, most underrated Disney movie. I had one. You know what? This is Pixar, though. I think no, it's it's a Disney animated, Inside Out. That's Disney animated, right? Yeah, more modern. That movie is insane. It's so good. As far as the older ones, I don't know, but I'll tell you my favorite. Like kind of like above all is a short. It's the brave, not the brave little toaster, brave little tailor. Is that what it's called? That was my favorite when I was a kid. And when when we got the when the first iPhone came out, I, I was an early adopter. I was still in school. I got it, ordered it the day it came out. It didn't come for like a week. But first thing I did was put a brave little tailor on it. So that would that would be it. Um, Aladdin's my favorite overall. And, uh, you know, some of the others are pretty good that are more recent. I don't know why I'm blanking on on it, but anyway, enough Disney because people complain. Anyway, Jacob Shavaria, 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 rather, uh, finishing us out. Jet is coming back. Do you agree? Will you be heading to Indy for the tournament? What is Denard's plan in Ann Arbor? Would love to see him be more involved in the QB run game. Um, I don't know about Denard. I mean, he seems to be more of kind of a recruiting component, less the less of a uh, coaching component in that sense. As far as Jet, it all depends. This is when when guys kind of make or break their ability to do what they want to do. I I would say right now he's probably not because he's still getting a first round uh, mock. Doesn't do well, you know, and they don't go to the tournament or they go to the tournament. He doesn't do well. Maybe it's a different story. But remember, guys can play their way in and out of the draft, especially the first round in the post, in the Big Ten tournament and in the NCAA tournament. Mitch McGarry is a prime example of a guy who could have gone in the first round. He didn't because he didn't go. He come, came back another year, and it's kind of like, eh, maybe you should have gone. But uh, you see it all the time. Uh, what else did you say here? Uh, will I be heading to Indy for the tournament? No, I never go because it coincides with spring ball and pro day and all that stuff. So uh, football is king, much to the chagrin of the basketball program. So, no, I've never gone. I don't know that I'll ever go but uh, because it just doesn't work for me logistically 
being one guy. So, all right, we're going to continue on here momentarily. Got a couple more left. We've got a pouting Zuria now. Now that uh, she was going ham. Pouting. Uh, that uh, she did not get to play. But it's part of the podcast with y'all. Mike uh, Batke at BCL Stealthcraft. Have we heard any more about our former co-offensive coordinator, Matt Weiss, and what he did? I mean, computer access crimes, accessing someone's account. Very vague from Ann Arbor. Allegedly, uh, friends closer to the program said he was helping some players on some finals. Not sure if any legit info from there has come. Uh, no, there hasn't been. I don't know that we'll ever get it. Um, I mean, maybe if it, like is something that goes to trial, then we will. But I don't think it'll come to that. But no, it, I think that's the thing that's just... It's vague. I don't think it's going to end up being anything terribly interesting or scandalous, to be honest. Eric P. at Rowdy3333, do you think Michigan double dips in the portal for a QB after spring transfers? I don't think Michigan's going to lose a bunch of quarterbacks in via spring transfers, so no, I don't. I, I know, and I think if they're going to get an heir to JJ, like if they don't get Jaden Davis, which I still think they will, if they feel like they need a quarterback, they'll get him after the season. I don't I don't think anyone's going to transfer out. J- Jack Tuttle just transferred in. I don't think Davis Warren's going to be two or three and be like, you know what? That's it. I'm out. So, no, I don't think that they're going to bring in another quarterback. They already brought in one in Jack Tuttle. Uh, team Frederico at team underscore Frederico. I live in California and travel to attend one Michigan home game each year other than Ohio State. What home game would you suggest? Obviously not a great home schedule in 2023. I don't, yeah, I don't really have a good answer for you because it's like pick your poison because there's no marquee teams outside of Ohio State. I'd, I'd probably pick a Big Ten team. I mean, unless you just like, I don't know. There's, there's an. Really no home games that are they're in danger of losing. Purdue would probably be my pick. Because it's really Purdue or Indiana. That's all you got. Would have been nice if like Minnesota or Nebraska was a home game this year. Particularly Minnesota because obviously they hosted Nebraska last year. Um, or if Penn State and Michigan State. It's just it's lopsided. So I would probably go Purdue personally. Don at Don MTU83. If you were a 2024 or 25 Five-star QB recruit. Wouldn't you want to see how big of a part in the offense JJ and the passing game are in 23? Do you want to come to Michigan and hand the ball off 45 times a game? Yeah. Especially if, if it's like you got a five-star and he's not able to use his arm and they're throwing for 2,000 yards a season when you could go somewhere else and throw for four or five. Of course you would. Personally. So part of why Michigan needs to get a little more creative because they're going to hamper their ability to recruit future quarterbacks. And they don't seem like they're necessarily bringing in better running backs, regardless. If that becomes your formula, then it's fine. You get a five-star running back every year and get a, uh, or at least a high four-star. Keep in mind, Blake Horam, high four-star, Donovan Edwards, depending on what service, five-star or high four-star. You get that and you have that all the time really good offensive line recruiting, then fine, whatever. You don't need necessarily a guy that's going to break the game open. But be nice. Have all things covered, and you got to have the, the wherewithal to break things open a little bit. Finishing us out, DJN at Maze Rage 86 and he says, not a question, 
But one like equals one prayer for Ohio State hoops, five wins in conference this year, and the NIT called and said no thanks. So it's very funny. It's a good, proper way to end the show. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I apologize that this isn't 720p, but someone said in the comments on the video, you can put it on 720p. That's fine. Guess what? We're doing it. <laughs> that's how we're doing it. But soon enough, we'll be back in beautiful 4K. Uh, anyway, thanks for watching and listening. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.